On Second Shot, we tackle two new headlines every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And we want you to be a part of that. When you see a headline you want to take a second shot at, or if you're looking for advice, or just want to tell us what you think of the show, email us at secondshotcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, rate us on iTunes. This helps us move up in the ratings so more people will see us. And if you want to hear more, subscribe to the show so that the new episodes will get straight to you every single Friday. We love you. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Heath Oaks is a millennial mogul whose ignorance on fire led him to fail his way to success. Jenny Anchando is an Emmy award-winning journalist whose sharp eye and biting wit have led to her storied career in television. Together, they tackle today's headlines in a way only an odd couple with a dash of perfect opposite can. So kick back, relax, and join the conversation. This is Second Shot with your hosts, Heath and Jenny. Hello, hello, everybody. Okay, it's my voice again doing the intro because we kicked Heath out for one more episode. Who needs him? Who Really? I know. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's, you know, summer schedule, kids gone wild. We're all here without our supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm Jenny Anchando, along with Zach and Matt. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello, hello. How are you? And Miranda Kirk is here, back by popular demand. <laughs> she um, was the one who explained the Enneagram last time, and now we're going to, you know, kind of get into some other stuff. Hello. Hello. I'm glad to be back. So we talked before, uh, last episode, about how Heath and I had, like, made this thing where we only do one social event per week. And congratulations, last night, our lame dinner of taco salad with hey, you guys was, awesome. was, was, our, was our social event of the week. We um, had them over. And, you know, it's funny because ever since having Brighton, I just am so reluctant to have people over because our house is such a disaster. Mm. Um, and he's like, John and Miranda are okay with it. It's fine. Yes, we do not care. It's <laughs> fine. And it wasn't a disaster. Well, it was it was housekeeper day. Yeah, so we had, even so I, better. I kept it clean for like yeah. you know thirty minutes after she left. <laughs> so you just like, you just clean the rooms that they're going to go into, and you put everything else in the other rooms. I know, that's, right? That's the, tr- that's the secret. Don't right. go back there. Don't yeah, go back there. Right. So if you guys missed last episode, I highly encourage you to listen to that one first if you can, or or you know listen to both of these in combination. So it'll be episode one twenty one and 122 because Miranda explained the Enneagram. Now she's also a coach and I, I want to speak about her credentials just so you guys don't know. I'm not having like any old random coach coming in here and talking to you. So <laughs> she went through the coaching mastery certificate program, which is approved by the International Coaching Federation. And she also went through the coaching with the Enneagram certificate program, also approved by the International Coaching Federation. So we talked before about how like a lot of our listeners are trying to up level their game Personal development seems to be a hot topic, you know, in terms of like being high interest with people who have been listening. So we thought it'd be cool to kind of quiz the coach and find out what coaching is all about, because this is something I'm seeing. It's like everybody on Instagram offers a, a coaching program. Yeah. So, so, so as a coach, what is a coach? What do you coach? Okay. Well, I will say coaching is definitely a trendy topic. Um, and I do feel like there's different types of coaches within coaching. Um, I know for myself, it's more of a self, a personal growth coach. Um, I like to focus on, um, so clients will come in and they'll have topics outside of themselves that they want to improve on. Okay. You know, maybe career, maybe family, maybe spouse, maybe, you know, friendships or being a daughter-in-law or whatever it is they want to improve, whatever they're struggling with or want to make it better. 
And so we start talking about it. And before we ever get to really finding resolution in anything external, we have to sort of work through things that are going on internally that are causing the reaction to whatever's external. Okay, so I may come to you and say, Miranda, I need a coach because time ma- my time management is is not good. I feel frazzled. I feel all over the place. And you would hear that, but then think, okay, time management probably isn't your actual right issue. Okay. There's always something more to the story, okay, than the actual thing they're coming to me for. So who's a candidate for coaching? Anyone who is ready to put in work. <laughs> Well, guys, are you ready? Well, hold on. <laughs> hold on. So, yeah, meaning like if you if you're just kind of like, oh, you know, so and so told me I should get a coach, you know, but the whole idea of coaching is the coach is there to just basically ask you questions, to get you to see things from different perspectives, to inspire you to come up with what is going to work for you so that you can actually succeed at the steps and the goals that you're laying out before you. If you have a coach that is just telling you what to do, Mm -hmm. you have no inspiration, no drive to do that. It's kind of like the analogy of like, you know, someone tells you you need to lose 20 pounds. Well, you're probably not going to lose 20 pounds until you're ready to lose 20 pounds. Amen. It's the same thing. Like, you know, if you have a coach telling you what to do, that's really a mentor mm-hmm. consultant. That's not really a coach. Yeah. Um, a coach is someone who's going to lead you along the way and inspire you to come up with solutions that you have insight on and that you come up with so you can actually fulfill those. I think it's interesting how you came to this position. And I think that your story, a lot of our listeners will relate to your story because you were uh, a teacher mm-hmm. first and and that's what you went to school to do and then have three amazing kids and were a stay-at-home mom for nine years, 11 right? Years, or yeah. 11 years. Yeah, 11 oh years. Oh my gosh. Right. Okay, so then so then you, you didn't mean to really discover this new passion for coaching, right. but you came about it through your husband's executive coaching, right? Yeah, so I didn't know about coaching. Um, and so about probably four years ago, I kind of went on my own journey with therapy and, you know, kind of hit that wall I was talking about in the last episode about how you do things a certain way your whole life and eventually life catches up with you. And so I was like, I'm going to look at what I'm doing here. What am I doing? I had three kids and my life was very ideal, but inside I just wasn't, wasn't feeling great. And so I was like, I'm going to do something about this. And so that's the thing, like you go and you, you know, that's how I discovered it. So on my own journey, I then discovered, man, I really do have a passion for um, figuring out why people do what they do and how to improve your life based on what you can do because you only have control over yourself. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so that's really the place to start. Okay. So then you went on this journey, kind of got coached yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And then then decided, okay, I would like to have this as a career and then got the education for that. Yeah, so my husband was like, hey, we have coaches. I have a coach at work. And I was like, oh, what's that? And so he kind of told me about it. And then we went to this retreat that his coaching company had. And that's where I discovered I want to do this. And so then I just kind of went from there with planning, you know, finding the best training program and and things like that. And I was just coaching without the Enneagram. Uh-huh. But then I discovered like, okay, man, all these clients, they're coming to me and we're talking about things, but we're always getting back to them. Like what's going on inside of you to make you want, desire this change or, or whatever it might be. And so that's when I found interest in the Enneagram. You know, what could propel, propel people along faster? Okay. And so, so you guys, again, if you missed the last episode, you've got to go back and listen to the Enneagram, try to figure out your type and then come back to, yeah. you know, to this episode to kind of see how that can help. Cause you were saying one, if they know their type, then the coaching is more 
successful. It's just more productive. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, what is an end result? If somebody's going to a coach, because I hear something like this and I think, well, I don't know. I'm not yeah, a CEO. Right. I'm not running a big, you know, corporation. Do I really need, like, a coach? Right. So it's basically... Um, to gain the the value in coaching is to gain awareness, gain insight, and get the thoughts that have just been going around in your head over and over for years. Get them out. Put words to them. And so your coach, uh, you know, you can talk to your spouse, you can talk to your friend. They might not challenge you like a coach would to really put what are you? What is it? Because I feel like we're all drawn to see what we don't want, and we're all drawn to see what's not working. But it's like. You need someone to challenge you. What do you want? And when you have to actually put words to that question, you're going to be like, oh, like every client I have. Okay. They, when they say the answer to the questions, they're always surprised by what they said. Oh, that's You know, it's like, oh, well, mm. that's what I've been, mm. you know, telling myself, but that's not my definition of success. Well, so, so when you say this, I sort of relate this a little bit to... Um, like I had just gone through this journey of I had put together a new reel, like a new on-camera reel. And I sent it to some of my colleagues in the business. We've all been doing this for, you know, 15, 20, 25 years. And you know, my friends were like, you rock. It's so good. Oh yeah. my gosh. Dynamite killer. And I thought, I wonder what somebody really thinks. So guess what I did? I hired somebody yeah. to come and look at it yeah. and paid a professional to who doesn't know me, who's based in LA, who was able to look at this and say, this is not what somebody is looking for. This look is not right. This sentence is not ideal because she, she doesn't know me. And she was able to find like my broadcasting skills on a different level mm-hmm. too. Right. <laughs> I guess because I was, you know, paying her to, to look deeper, but also for me to look at myself. Yeah. So it was so I I suspect coaching can kind of do that. Yes, it's kind of like that. It just brings out awareness and insights is the main goal. Because once like I said, once you have that awareness and that insight, that's not something you can just un unknow. Really quickly, if somebody's looking for a coach, what should you look for? Is there a I know that you went to a, a certification. Is yeah. there a name that we should look for? A credential we should look for? Um, I mean, not all coaches. So there is a broad spectrum with coaching because it is trendy. So you can, there's things from like online certifications where you can do something for a day or two and you're done. There's weekend ones. I mean, um, I think it really comes down to the heart of the coach. Like what is, is their passion really for this? And it's kind of a knack you have. Like, do you really have it? Like, do you really get it? Do you get how to see things from a different perspective? Can you see the big picture? Can you challenge these people to have insights and awareness around what they want to do? So if you find a coach that you're willing to work with, I would say for sure you need to sit down with them and discuss what does coaching with you look like? You know, mm-hmm. what's your theory behind coaching? You know, you know, how does this work for me? You know, kind of just the guidelines of how it works because not every client is going to match my coaching style. Okay. And so there definitely needs to be conversation. So if you if you run into a coach that's not willing to spend time, you know, without charging you, spend that's time with you. That's why I was wondering, you. like, what's common practice? Like, do they do most give a, a free first sit down meeting? If someone's not willing to do that, I would say that's probably not a not a good idea. Okay, I mean, that's a red flag. I feel like it, you need to know both ways. Like, I love to coach everybody, but I might not be everyone's, you know, first pick as a coach. And so, I think having a face to face cup of coffee if you're in the same town, or just a phone call, even. Mm-hmm. Just to discuss working together, what that's going to look like. Something I've heard a lot uh, for young folks, uh, I've heard you should always look into getting a mentor. 
right? Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Okay. Because there is one. Great. That's a really Such great a question. Good question. I love yeah. you, yeah. Apple That's, Zach and Tosh. That is a great it. question, yes. Zach. Okay. Yeah. So the difference between a mentor and a coach is a mentor is going to be giving you ideas. Mm-hmm. And kind of telling you, you know, if you're if you're a teenager in high school and you're having, um, you know, a trouble with a friendship, a mentor is going to say, why don't you tell her this? Why don't you do this? You know, but a coach is just pretty much going to ask you questions because the whole idea is for for it to come from you so that you're more driven to to go through with it. Yeah, because what I think is best for you might not be at all what the way that you're designed to do something like I would say, well, you need to sit them down and have a direct conversation. That might be the worst thing ever to tell you to do for you, for who you are. Uh And so, but by asking you questions around what you want or, you know, what would be an ideal resolution? It would be the worst thing for Zach. Well, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) But depending on what you want the resolution to be, you could come up with something by me challenging you to put words to things and you would come up with something that works for you so that when you leave and we have that two week, because, you know, coaching for me, it's every two weeks. So you have two weeks to, you know, successfully complete whatever steps we we decide, you know, that you're going to work on that week. So it's something you want to feel like you can do. Mm-hmm. So if I just tell you what to do, where's the value in that for you? Mm-hmm. You know, as a coach, how is how do you how do you perceive failure? Because I think that's so important, right? Fail, failure yeah. is an opportunity to learn and grow and succeed. Totally. And I I, I know. When I think of coaches, I think of sports, and I think of... It's funny fa- for you being a non-sports it, it, fan. It is very funny, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think of sports, and, and you win the game or you lose the game, and it's very binary. Right. But, but failure is so much more than that. So I'm just oh, curious so how you broad. see that. When you give somebody two weeks to go succeed, yeah. and they don't. Okay, but, but... How do you... So I don't look at it as what, what you didn't do. Because so... You take someone and you you say, okay, you have two weeks, and you literally come. They come up with their action steps, and they are baby steps. Like they are things you can do in oh, yeah. two weeks. Fundamental. You and that's the coach's job. Like that's where a trained coach comes in handy. If you've got a client that is reaching for the stars for the next two weeks, it's your job to help them clarify and kind of take it in smaller steps so that they can be successful because the whole idea is you want to get the ball rolling well what happens when the ball starts rolling it gains momentum right so if you set small steps they get them done that first two weeks that gives them confidence that gives them momentum and they're way more likely to keep moving forward because that's the whole point of coaching you just want to keep the client moving forward and if you get back to me in two weeks and you say you know, I only got one step done. I didn't even get to the other two. It's like, well, how'd that one go? Mm-hmm. You know, what'd you learn from that one? You know, what can you take from that one? Yeah. And, and, and then you, you need to assess based on what you did on step one, are two and three even things you still feel like you need to be working on, you know? Okay. I like this. So it's just analyzing the small steps. Just you want to keep moving forward. Yeah. And that is client-based. Yeah. A mentor is, is a little bit more there to hold your hand, whereas a coach is like, look, you can spread your wings and fly, but you got to go for it. Yeah. And if you can accomplish that you'll learn so much more about yourself yes. and therefore the way you perceive the world for it. That's so neat. Yeah, it's encouraging, yeah. but yet yeah, challenging. And, and the trained coach is where it comes in handy. How, yeah. how good is the coach at understanding who you are, your personality, what, what makes you tick, you know, what mm-hmm. kinds of things you would do well at, then they can lead you that way with their challenges and questions. And, um, and it just, it makes a big difference. And like you said, it's got to be from somebody who's willing to do the work. Who's willing to flap the wings? Who's willing yeah, to fly I mean, out of the nest? Yeah, right? I mean, it's That's like when you 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 make someone go to therapy with you as an ultimatum. Like, we're getting a divorce if you don't go to therapy. Well, is that person right. really going to put in the work at therapy? Probably not. You know, and so you, I don't want a client who's not ready for coaching. Mm-hmm. 
you okay. know so yeah. I like that. Okay, I feel ready to be coached. Miranda Kirk, thank you so much. It's been so good. And we will get back to our second shot, you know, headline slinging. But first, a reminder to email us, secondshotcast at gmail.com if you have any comments, feedback, or headline suggestions. We'll be right back. He makes up words, she translates them. Heath and Jenny host more of Second Shot coming up on RNCN. You guys have been listening to Second Shot and hearing us talk about it. You need to go pick up my book, Ignorance on Fire, A Journey of Felling Your Way to Success. You can get it on Amazon in a paper book. You can also hear this beautiful voice of mine in audiobook style on Audible or anywhere you're going to get your audiobooks. Guys, this book took a lot of time to put into it, and I believe it can really be some life-changing stuff to help you on your path to success. And hopefully you're going to fail your way to success just like I did. Ignorance on Fire, A Journey of Felling Your Way to Success. Amazon.com, Audible.com, audiobooks, paper books, everything. Get it, share it with your people and i appreciate it thank you guys go pick it up today ready aim fire second shot is back for another round on rncn we are back to our our headline slinging as I said it last night, which I'm going to try to make a thing. You should have headline slinging. Yeah, that's, that's a new one for me. I didn't know that's what we did here. Well, like instead of, I don't know, is that, is that a bad connotation? Am I like saying something that I don't even realize is like a bad? No, no, I'm just, okay. I, I haven't I haven't thought of it that way. You We're know, slinging out headlines. Like yeah. instead of news anchor, I'm going to say I'm a headline slinger. Yeah. <laughs> like on my resume. I don't hate that. Okay. But I'm a millennial. I, no, I think it would be perfect. If, if the hiring managers were millennials, right. I think they would like it. I think anyone else would um, uh, uh, toss my resume. <laughs> it's funny the way people can perceive simple words differently. The other day, uh, somebody called me for using the term slide. I said, I said I slid into their DMs. working for a job or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that has a conversation. Uh, yeah. I said I I slid into a new position and and they were like, oh, do you like know somebody or did you get into it? I was like, no, I mean, I worked hard and like, that's how I... It does sound very sneaky. It sounds sneaky and and conniving and I didn't mean it to. And like almost lazy too. Right. I just meant it because it was a smooth transition. It was a slide. But like, I don't know. Somehow people... I don't know what... Our first headline, all right, for the (laughs) show. Uh, Forcing a smile at work may turn you into a heavier drinker. It's depressing. (laughs) If the smile you wear at work is plastered on for customers, you may be hitting the bottle harder than your happier coworkers. A new study from Penn State and the University of Buffalo said the study focused on people who routinely work with the public, such such as teachers, nurses, and people in the food service industry. Apparently, the whole idea behind this is if you're hiding your feelings, if you're suppressing your emotions, how you really feel at work, you might get away with it from nine to five, but when you get home that stuff's gonna come back uh harder than it was before because you know so is this saying if you're just outwardly unhappy at work that you you won't feel the need to to go home and drink at the end yeah, of the day because you've already chewed everybody out right you got it all out like you don't have to medicate yourself <laughs> surface <laughs> acting and fake emotions is linked to more drinking that's what this says Interesting. i mean i'm sure it's more i, I have trouble believing it's exclusively drinking and probably say, more just, just inhibitions yeah. right you're just more prone to do yeah. bad, like habits, bad habits things in you shouldn't general. do yeah. right yeah um, so I'm curious to hear the coach's perspective. Like, in, like you don't have to do a second shot on it, but just do you see that in your coaching clients if somebody's really withholding feelings that they are struggling with that? Well, I feel like anything we're doing that's unhealthy, is it's going to catch up with you eventually. Mm. It might not catch up with you in your 20s, but it might hit you in your mid-30s. Or, But I do think that this, I mean, I was a teacher, mm-hmm. and then I went straight into being a mom a stay-at-home mom so Mm -hmm. you know you want to you want to be 
you can't let leash unleash your real right. emotions on kids on at kids. school <laughs> or your kids you know and it's like at the end of the day like at bath time and bedtime you're you, you fall onto the couch and you don't i mean <laughs> and i i don't think it necessarily has to be drinking i agree with you Matt. right it could be I, eating it could be sleeping like whatever you yes. enjoy doing in excess yeah. to escape feelings right that's what you would probably do when you turned off the work smile or whatever it may be. Right, right the work smile or the, yeah, keeping it together for your yeah. kids because you don't want them to see you break down. Yeah. So when I heard this headline, my sort of second shot thought on this was, um, I, I think about this in the volunteer world, for example, because um, I think a lot of us hear about, you know, a cause that we want to lend our time to and we want to do it. and. And so sometimes we don't realize it, but we are doing it out of guilt and we are not actually um, like giving into that with our full selves. And I really caution people against like being the person who volunteers for everything because you're really not you're you're. I think you can harm yourself because you're not, you know, we talked about um, like prioritizing, you know, it's, it's not something you really want to do, but also you, you're not helping that organization either by being the the bitter volunteer no. or by being the martyr or the person who's like, yeah, well, you know, I said I'd be on the, the PTA or, you know, yeah, I said I would help with, I mean, something at church or something like that. Um, in the volunteer world, I think it's very dangerous for people to be giving of their time in not an authentic way and, mm-hmm. and in not a, a really like wholesome, generous way. And I think that we will ebb and flow in our lives. Um, I, literacy has always been sort of my my big thing. I think that it's, it's our, our big gift. You know, if we can get kids to read, they can just, you know, they can shoot off into anything that they want to. But if we don't get that, we're not getting anywhere. Um, so that's always been sort of like my priority in terms of volunteerism. But I realized when I had Brighton, that I was spending, well, I was spending time away from her to focus on literacy with other children. And that did not make me feel, I wasn't the best volunteer because I was mad because I was like, well, why am I with somebody else's child when I should be actually working on teaching my own child mm-hmm. to read? Or I mean, you know, at two, I don't know, teaching her to read, but you know what I mean? Like enriching her, I'm paying somebody else to be with her so that I can be with these kids. Now, for some people, that's gonna be great for them because they're gonna feel fulfilled by that outlet. So I'm not saying that's gonna be the same case for everybody. It's just sort of the example of like, you know, that would be, that would be the equivalent in this article of putting on a fake smile mm-hmm. to do something and then coming home and feeling drained by it. Yeah. Right. So I just encourage you to be selective and, and be generous in your volunteerism and, and donations of your time, but also be really conscientious about whether you are really doing a service to that organization. Well, this story also reminds me of why I feel like the saying honesty is the best policy is a really good one because um, and that doesn't mean if you're unhappy at work or if you're unhappy wherever that you need to go around lighting people up and telling them exactly how you feel about them. But um, there's a difference between, you know, faking everything. And if someone asks you how you're doing, you say, I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. And, and rather than just having a little honesty there and me saying, you know, maybe things aren't so great. And here's and here's what's going on. And here's maybe how. I feel like we could help each other, you know, in the in the work setting. You know, I feel like we could do this or that. You don't have to be rude about it, but um, I, I've I've seen a lot of people in various different jobs I've been in where they they bottle all that stuff up and they hold it all in. And when you ask them, well, have you talked to anybody about any of this stuff? Have you told anybody about this stuff that you're feeling? They'll say, no, 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 I, I haven't done that. You know, I'm just I'm just coming in and you know doing my job and do my best to get through it. And where I think 
that's probably mm. what where you take that frustration home with you when you could just be a little bit more honest and not be rude about it, but just be a little bit more honest with people about how things are going. My question for somebody when somebody brings an office gossip to me or or like a really any gossip to me, like let's say let's say Matt's the boss and Zach comes yeah. to me. I'm the boss. Yeah, right. Like, okay, CEO over here. Yes. So, so, so then Zach comes to me with a complaint. I say, oh, so what did Matt say when you brought that to him? Mm -hmm. Then stop talking, Mm -hmm. because often the response, and they might not, you know, might not even be intentional. Like, uh, it might be that that person is really like it hadn't dawned on them. But I think it reframes it and allows them to think, wow, I actually do have some power over this situation. And uh, and the time that I just spent complaining to you, I could have actually gone to the source. Like broken equipment, you know. You, I think we've talked about this before. Like <laughs> oh, working yeah. in media, because yeah. like in media, yeah. it's notorious. I don't care how big your station, how successful it is. Like the stuff is always broken, and, and so we all like will complain about it to each other. But it's like, oh well, who um um filed a, a report on the broken equipment? Yeah. Have you called an engineer? Yeah, yeah. Did you call an engineer. What's the solution here? <laughs> How yeah, do they know yeah. about it. Yeah, have you called an engineer? No. <laughs> and you're you're right. Like when you talk about unhappiness, uh, Matt Matt talked to me a long time ago about this in a great way, and he said, you know, this stuff can really turn into a self fulfilling prophecy. If you you know you just you you get that snowball rolling, and it's just never going to get better because you don't change, you don't do anything different, which makes you a drinker, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, well, but it's like it's 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 not. Um, like, don't do that to yourself because then you're no. double unhappy. You're unhappy yeah. at work and you're unhappy when you go home. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, where's the relief? Right. So, yeah. Miranda, what would you say to the coaching client who comes to you and says, I am so unhappy at work, but I'm pretending to everybody like I am uh, happy? Okay. Well, so I actually had a client that was really struggling at work. And so, what we did was, again, we looked at her and why the things outside of her were bothering her so much. And once you can gain an understanding of that, usually they don't bother you quite so much because you understand why and you kind of see what you're bringing to it. And so she was just unaware. And so it's not going to fix everything, but it does just give you that true understanding that you only can control you. Like you're never going to fix the bad boss. Never. Mm -hmm. But if you gain an, there's, if there's something coming your way that gives you like a visceral reaction, there's something to that. That's where you need to dig. There's something to that about you. There's something about you that if you just had an understanding of that, it would relieve it so much for you. It happened every time. So did she stay at the job? She did. She did. Is she doing better now? Oh, she's doing so much better because she's been able to let things go that she thought, Mm. you know, that she had she had power over. But she finally realized and really, truly understood there was nothing she could do, like stay in your lane kind of thing. Frozen has all the answers. <laughs> yeah. Let, Let it, go. it go. That's true. That's true. So it all comes back to you. It really does always come back to you. And I'd also say you're probably not hiding it as well as you think you are if you're if That's you true. are faking a smile at work. Oh, totally. Like you it is coming through in one way or another. You may It's you like may a slow look, gas leak. Right. Coming right. out right. somewhere. <laughs> right. And, and and people will be like, Oh, oh that there's something up with them or they respond or they blew yeah. up on uh, on an email to me for for seemingly no reason where you know that stuff comes out eventually in one way or another i think yeah it does okay you guys i want to get a little bit deeper into miranda's background and history and we're going to do that and sort of like what led her to coaching a deep 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 background in her history and i think you guys are going to find it fascinating and also inspiring so she doesn't even know i'm going to bring this up and i'll find out if it's okay (laughs) we'll do that in the third segment of second shot now that's what i call ignorance on fire 
More of Heath and Jenny still to come. To all of my friends in the great state of Texas, if you have not taken advantage, I have a way to save you a ton of money. I have saved over about $3,000 in the last year, and I have no hassle. Go to energyogre.com, put in the promo code Second Shot. Now listen, promo code Second Shot, and you're going to get a free month just for signing up and saving a ton of money. So don't be crazy. Stop sitting around talking about is this the real deal, and go do it right now. Energyogre.com, promo code Second Shot in a free month. Thanks. Go get it now. Run. Kick off your boots or suit up. The choice is yours. Welcome back to Second Shot on RNCN. Okay, I hadn't initial. I don't know what just came over me, but I since we have Miranda here in studio and I know a little bit about her her background, I thought it would be a good time to just get really real with the people who listen to the show. I think those are our best moments and talk about you know like I mentioned, Miranda is a mother of three. She has a coaching business. She was also you know went to college, became a teacher. Has this this exceptional life I think from the outside but I also know the backstory and that it took her a lot of work on herself in order to get there and I was hoping Miranda you could tell us a little bit about you know like what your childhood was like and kind of how you came to the place you are today um okay so I I'm the type of person who is um gonna take charge gonna fix everything gonna make sure Mm -hmm. everybody's okay so that's kind of the role I took in my family I did whatever I had to do to, um, in my mind, keep the peace, keep mm-hmm. everything going smoothly, which obviously I wasn't doing was, anything, was but there a I lot thought of chaos? I was. Yeah, so I grew up, my mom was single mom. She had my sister and I, and then she married my stepdad when I was two. My real dad, you know, was out of the picture, gave up all rights to both of us, you know, which was definitely a blessing in the long run. Mm-hmm. I'm not 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 too good of a guy there. Mm-hmm. And so my stepdad was my dad from two, but my parents were young. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents didn't have blogs to read and internets to look at. I mean, they were young and you don't know what you don't know. They were doing the best they could with what they had. Um, now, it was less than desirable childhood um, dynamic wise. Uh, it affected me and my sister totally different. Had a stepbrother in there as well. Um, I kind of grew up and took the mindset of, I will do, I I took control by saying, I'm gonna do different than everybody around me. Because in my mind, everybody around me was failing, Mm. making bad choices. So what kind kind of stuff, or what what were you seeing from like a child's point of view? Well, so just like, you know, my parents' marriage wasn't healthy, and then I had, you know, family, all, everywhere I turned, there was like a difficult male who was, you know, had a temper or was never satisfied or just grumpy or just from grandpas to uncles to, I mean, it was just everywhere I looked. It was just, um, you know, my grandmother was literally my saving grace. She was everything to me. She taught me about faith from an early age. I mean, she was wonderful. And, um, and my mom worked. I mean, my parents worked. There was no vacation. There was no like, oh, what are we doing next weekend? It's mm-hmm. like, well, we're working and then we're hanging out with family. And that's all, you know, that's, that was the extent of it. And so um, and you were in a small town. Yeah, small town. So I took control, uh, you know, in my eightness. Mm-hmm. It's all about taking the control. So in my mind, I took the control by saying, I, you know, these people might can neglect my emotions. They might cannot, you know, validate anything I'm doing, but they can't take away my decision making. Like that's mine. 
And so I decided from a young age, like, I'm not going to screw up like everyone around me, you know, and I'm not going to do it. And I didn't do it. Like, I just you did whatever to I had to do to make sure that I made different choices. You know, my sister, on the other hand, was had a very different um, outcome. You know, she struggled with promiscuity from a young age. Then she went on to drugs, and then it got, you know, really, really off the rails. And then she actually is, is missing, has been missing for a very long time. Um, and it's just a strain. I mean, it's just so difficult. Now that I have children on my own, I can't, mm. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And so I think, I do believe that, that seeing my family dynamic and, and kind of seeing the, what my parents lacked, like the tools and the awareness and, you know, they were carrying their own trauma from that hadn't been dealt with and then passing that along and it's just this pattern mm-hmm. but i was like i'm going to break the cycle like i'm not going to do this is not going to be my story i'm going to change this and the way that i did that was i mean faith is a big part of my life so right. i am very confident a lot of it was you know god just protecting me um but yeah i mean and it and of course since I'm an eight, I felt like I was very unaffected by all of it. I was like, I did great. I came through it, mm-hmm. you know, I'm fine. But then, like I said, mid-30s, it catches up with you. You know, mm. you're standing in your kitchen and your kids are driving you crazy and you're on edge and you don't know why because everything's great around you. And that's when you know, like, oh, crap, I need I need help. Something's off. Because you felt like you hadn't you hadn't actually dealt with no, all no, no, those I situations. No, 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 I hadn't felt any of it. I just, I just took charge and took care of it. Okay. And I did my part. Which it seems like was good in the time, it, you know. Yeah, in the I mean, time it was a great being, coping mechanism, yeah. but it did not. I mean, I could, couldn't do that forever, you know, because I mm-hmm. got to a place where I felt very unvalidated, and I started, you know, acting out, wanting, you know, validation and credit because I, in my mind, I had done things so well, and no one, like I was invisible, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I wasn't valuable. It was because no one around me had time to see me they were dealing with their own stuff it was like it just wasn't your traditional household where you take time and talk to your children and it was just like get up go to school we got to work we got to pay bills we're barely paying the right. bills we got to keep going keep going keep going and so you don't know what you don't know so it sounds like you sort of went on this journey then in your 30s yeah. to kind of heal and is that some i mean how long does it take to to work through an entire life yeah um you know 30 years worth of stuff yeah i mean i would say once you really surrender to yourself like once you really say like okay i'm i'm a sinner like i'm in this world i struggle i don't have it all figured out like once you really bust yourself open for you know dissecting yourself and looking at everything with a fine tooth comb that journey never ends it just keeps going I mean I'm still always looking always yeah. searching and always figuring out new things you know but through that journey you get forgiveness and you get um, you know you get peace mm-hmm. with your story and you get understanding and so the anger and the bitterness is what releases do you think any of that, it w- I, I can't imagine being in a situation where your sister is missing, actively right. missing. Yeah. Did that precipitate some of the self-development for you? Or was um, that, did that coincide with? I think that seeing the lack of knowledge now that I, once I was a, a grown and had my own children and valuing family almost to the extreme because of my situation, mm it has developed the passion that I have for healthy relationships and a family dynamic and strong communication 
and always being willing to learn about yourself and because those are the things that keep situations like that from happening. Mm -hmm. It's definitely no coincidence you got into teaching, right? Shaping and molding others and like helping people kind of find well, I think it was just one more step. Yeah, I think it was just one more step along the way of God slowly showing me like this is what I've made you for. This is what your this is what your heart's after. Mm-hmm. And so when I discovered that, and it's just been building and building, and it's so incredible to see it all coming to fruition. She, she's in our prayers. I want you to know that Thank too. You very that much. that didn't I, I didn't want you to that sentence to go on without acknowledgement and without yeah. you knowing since the day I heard that story. It's been, it's like, I think about it. Yeah. How could you not? Um, so that I, I just want to make that clear. And I also want to tell our audience, I wanted Miranda to share this just yeah. because whatever phase you're in right now, our younger, you know, listeners who are just kind of maybe getting out of a similar situation and thinking like, I can't have all, all that, that wonderful life that Miranda has where, you know, she has this, you know, happy marriage yeah. and, you know, and these kids and this job and fulfillment, like you can have that. And it, and it took her work. You know, yeah. you, you did a, a lot of work on your own to, you know, to really dig deep. And that's sort of what these last two episodes yeah. have been about. But I, I appreciate you sharing your past so that people can see that you didn't just come from some perfect family with, no, you know, a, right. a couple of, you know, Harvard grads as parents. And it was easy for you to just go get this, you know, coaching certification and yeah. live happily ever after. Right. You've you've done the work yourself, too. So thank you for oh, yeah, being open for, about yeah, that. No problem. Um, where can everybody find you? I want to make sure that they get your information so they can follow along on, on Instagram and, and uh, on your website. Yeah. OK. So I'm on Facebook. Facebook and Instagram and both are you know Miranda Kirk coaching and it's M A R not M I it's an important detail there <laughs> yes it is um, that you will never find me if you don't know that and then I have a website as well with more information about what I do and kind of what I offer and that's at MirandaKirk.com so M A R again um, that's been a perk of having my name spelled different was all my handles and websites were available. <gasps> they were oh, like, they, awesome. yes, they nice. were just waiting I know, for you. I know. And so, yeah, so you can find me and, you know, coaching can be done, you know, via like online face, yeah, face like Skype or something. Yeah. Or you can just do phone conversations. So it doesn't have to just be, you know, you come all the way to San Antonio to, cause I'm in San Antonio. Yeah, we didn't even mention she's based in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. So oh. We definitely have audience members in San Antonio, but yeah, yeah like you said, I like the idea of virtual yeah, yeah, doing yeah. that too. So you guys, since Heath is not here, I decided we should give away some of his books. <laughs> I know where they are kept. I know how to have access to them. And we, it's been a really long day time since we've done a giveaway for our listeners. And yeah. it's been, I mean, as our audience, it's like been strong and mighty and growing. And we've been getting different people from all over the U.S., all over the world. Um, and so we wanted to do a giveaway of Heath's book. If you were listening earlier, you probably saw or, you know, heard him speaking about it. It's called Ignorance on Fire, A Journey of Failing Your Way to Success. And it is sort of his journey from somebody who dealt with some learning disabilities and with some challenges at home and with, you know, it, up to becoming the youngest executive at his company and um, husband of the year and dad mm-hmm. of the year um, and all these different things. So it, it's also a really good book for um, new graduates. A lot of people get it for that, but also a lot of my adult friends have read it and listened to it um endorsed by bob berg from the go-giver i have to give that a shout out because i am obsessed with bob berg he's been on the show we just adore him and so his sort of you know endorsement of the book means a lot so here's the plan i will give the details on both the second shot instagram page second shot podcast on instagram and in the second shot 
Facebook group. So, you you know, if you want to win a book, you've got to go on there to get the details. And um, I'll give away three. Who knows? Maybe more. All right. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> Feeling <know>. generous. <laughs> what do you guys think? You guys think that'll be I good? Think I, think, awesome. I think we plug it every week, so everybody should already have it. But in case you don't, <laughs> True. here's your chance to get it for free. Or get an extra copy yeah. yes. to give away. Yeah, to give away. Mm. That's right. Yes, Share exactly. It. You can get on Amazon. I love how Amazon will always like, rec- they'll be like, suggested books. And it's like, ignorance on fire. I'm like, okay, thanks. Got Sam. that one. <laughs> Thank you. Got that one. Listen to the, I finally listened to the audiobook version. And oh, it's, you did? Um, yeah, it's really good. And I have such an appreciation for it because that was like such a challenge for Heath to do. Yeah. But we've already decided if he does another audiobook that like, you know, Zach and Matt and I can read it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'd be honored. Yeah. <laughs> we can do it for them. So um, if you guys want to connect with me, my website is jennyanchondo.com. I will, of course, be in the second shot group. Also on Instagram, Jenny and Chondo, and Twitter, Jenny and Chondo TV. At Apple Zach and Tosh on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash group slash second shot. Come get a book. And uh, yeah, you can find me, Matt Stoker One, on Instagram and in the Facebook group. Come say hello. You guys, do not forget to give us a rating or a review. We will be giving away books for that too. So stay tuned for that, and we will chat with you all next week.